You are listening to Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. Expand your mind and keep it love. Shall bring disaster to evil factors Demonic chapters shall be captured by kings Through the storms of days after And to the earth from the sun through triple darkness To blast you with a force that can't be compared To any firepower for its mind power shared The brainwave causes vessels to circulate Like constellations reflect at night off the lake Word to the father and mother earth Seeking everlasting life through this hell for what it's worth Look, listen and observe and watch another sea cycle pulling my peeps to the curb Heed the words, it's like ghetto style proverbs The righteous pay a sacrifice to get what they deserve Cannot afford to be confined to a cell Brainwave swell, turning the desert to a well Experience the best teacher Fox will spray like street sweepers Little daddy street preacher, illustrious feature Narrator you select, accompanied by deck Plus the DJ you respect The seven and a half combined over the front line The ten percenters promoting slam in the airtime, bear in mind, jewels be the tools of the trade. Sharp blades, heavenly praise, and dues are paid. Above the crowds, above the clouds, where the sounds are original. Infinite skills create miracles. Warrior spiritual, above the clouds, raining down, holding it down. Yeah, I leave scientists mentally scarred. Triple extra large, wild like rock stars who smash guitars. Poison bars from the guards, bust holes in your mirage. Catch a charge, shake them down like the riot squad. Invade your zone, ruin like ancient Rome. I span the universe and return to earth to claim my throne. The maker, owner, plus soul controller. Ayatollah, rest in the sky, the clouds my sofa. Stand like Colossus, regardless to whom or what. Numerous attempts in my life, so who to trust? Who but us? To supply her with the fire, the burning truth. 150 absolute proof on the mic, like Moses spoke in Golden Squad. Survivor of the oldest tribe whose soldiers die. I know the five families, we shed tears and mourn. But our hands are on the ammo, cause the battle's still on. Sound the horn. We come rumbling through the function. Precise laser beam technique to touch something. When we die hard, they build a monument to honor us with. Humongous effect in the world, we could have conquered it. This is episode 121. And I'm your host, Miguel. We're going to listen to some clips today, three to be specific. And the topic is the philosopher king, Marcus Aurelius. If any of you have seen the movie Gladiator, Marcus Aurelius was in the beginning of the movie, the, the uh, older dude, the emperor really, that was up in Germania. And in those days, uh, at that time, emperors would even go out and fight. Well, certain ones. And they were just in the mix with the soldiers, just like Alexander the Great and Hannibal of Carthage. So, the yeah, we're going to listen to some clips of the philosopher king, Marcus Aurelius. He's very influential these days in business circles and, you know, MMA fighters and people that really want to optimize their lives because it's not just an external thing, having big muscles and, you know, being able to do question mark kicks, but it's actually having the inner strength and understanding of self that where true happiness, fulfillment, and maximized maximization of your potential comes from, from the inside, not, not from the outside. So a couple of things that I really do like that uh, are covered. Uh, one, actually, one of the clips, I believe it's going to be the first clip, is going to be an abridged version of Marcus Aurelius's book called Meditations. And I won't get into too much explanation of it because the guy does a great breakdown of it. And he condenses it down to like 30 minutes, the book. And then a few other clips, uh, two other clips that kind of cover the same topic from different lenses. So what I really do like about this is um, a couple of things that they bring to light on here where where uh, he says, uh, and Marcus Aurelius says, the obstacle is the way. And that is is really it's amazing when you think about it because the, when you say the obstacle is the way it's like if you look at a lock cylinder or door lock and a key when you slot that key into that lock cylinder it's a perfect match and when you remove the key there's still an impression or image of that key within the lock and vice versa right and when they come together it it, it changes its full function but 
the obstacle is that that when that key is not there, you can't open the lock. And when it's present, you can, but they're a mirror image of one another, which means that the obstacle is is actually the the way or the solution. It's a little, little profound, yeah, but I mean, those of you who get it will get it. Um, the other thing that's brought to light is uh, Marcus Aurelius brings to light that adversity is part of nature, which is kind of obvious. But you know, in the society today, a lot of people, they they're looking for an easy way out they're looking for excuses they and a big thing that i hear which goes cuts through my grain is when they say i tried i tried like what does that mean i tried that means that now if you really put out 100 percent and you say i'm gonna make an effort to do this or you know i'm i'm doing even if you lie to me say you're doing it you know what i mean because well, even if you in a sense lie to yourself because if you say you can do it you're right and if you say you can't do it you're right so when you say, I try, you've already given up. You've given up on yourself. So adversity is part of nature. That's pretty profound, okay? And also, here's another another quote, and it's, it's through adversity that we get stronger. Or as Nietzsche would say, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Pretty deep. And uh, recognize material wealth as neither good nor bad. It's just material wealth. It's outside of yourself. The only thing that should be able to have such an effect on you is something that's coming from, from within yourself when you beat yourself up as opposed to someone from the outside. Um, and one final thing that I really like here, he's, he talks about expressing gratitude, which is pretty obvious. So what I'm, what I'm finding is that this stoicism is becoming really popular because it speaks to people at, ver at a very, very deep level because it resonates as being truth to them. You know, as I always say, truth just sounds like truth and bullshit sounds like bullshit, you know? And this stoicism is really the antidote for what we see happening right now with all of the political turmoil and people with the sensitive egos and really at the end of the day, they're really just thinking about themselves. And when you look into some of these philosophies, this stoicism is really akin to the Eastern philosophy, um, point by point by point, just expressed in, in Western terms. It really is pretty much the same thing. And what it, what it dictates is, you know, ethics, doing good, removing the ego and trying to be man at his best, trying, trying to perform the best and look within for what you need to do. A good example that I make is you might be working on a task, let's say cleaning your backyard, it's all cluttered up and your backyard is just a lot of crap in it and, and you know it's going to take some work and you're a few hours into it, may, maybe four, five, six hours into it and, and that's it, your body, you're done, you're done. And then you say to yourself in your mind, you say, you know what, today's Sunday, I have to be at work tomorrow, I don't want to come back to continue doing the same task. I want to be done with this and have it completed. So your brain tells your body, hey, you know what? I know you're tired, but we got to finish this up. And guess what? Your body responds because of the strength of your mind and the strength you have within you. That is if you, you know, if you have that type of drive within you. So what a lot of, you know, and that's, that's a very, I guess you could say it's a sim sim simple stoke practice because what you're doing is you're engaging the mind to empower you, you know, and shutting out the external forces. Or as they say, sometimes the delaying gratification, that's another big one that I hear. Delaying gratification, mindfulness, um, these, are, these are all deep topics that you really do need to look into. Uh, so back to, to, to what I'm seeing today, a lot, a lot of people, they're looking to make excuses for why they are where they are. I know that, you know, I don't want to sound like a baby boomer, like in my generation, we, you know, I don't want to do that, but I'm, I'm really realizing that it's really, well, in, in some degrees more difficult today just due to the fact that you got robots out here that you're competing against. And I don't know how you're supposed to compete against something like that, a robot. But I'll tell you one thing, that infinite spark of divinity that God has placed within each and every one of us can transcend all of this with, without effort, effortless, effortlessly because of the fact that it's divine and, and, and mind is what created all of these things. So don't, don't be intimidated by it. We, you know, a lot of people, like I, 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 there's a few quotes that I always repeat, but it's so true. It's like what distinguishes mankind from animals 
is that we employ, we're able to employ philosophy and ethics and, and thinking. I know animals on a simple level have that, but their, their world is different than ours. You know, their world of survival and eating what they can eat and being, avoid being eaten, you know, like that type of existence. We've transcended that to some degree, <clears throat> but it's still a jungle out there, you know? And if you don't employ some kind of philosophy or some kind of strategic thinking in your life, you're just operating at the, at the level of an animal. Because what's happening is you're being driven by your emotions, your feelings, what you want. And, you know, as you know, that desire never ends. It's just endless because it's just material. And it's, again, from outside of yourself and it's your subconscious mind running this program for you to consume because this has been instilled in us through the media and everything, really, you know, from, you know, from where the day we're born to consume, to want, to be jealous and to, you know, fulfill that emptiness within us with material things from the outside and that never works there's going to be points in time that you need to feel that emptiness within yourself or that hollowness or that let's say i don't want to use the word depression but just flow of life you know what i mean we're not created or exist just to be bliss bunnies running around oh i'm totally happy and that's again where the the opioid epidemic is coming through because people feel that we're, that's what we're here for you know just to gratify our senses but we need to detach from gratifying our senses. We need to not live to gratify our senses, but we need to live to be self-realized. So it's very important. So man, man, when I say man, man or woman, we, you know, people before us a long time ago have figured this out, starting with, you know, Socrates and even the pre-Socratic philosophers as far as, you know, the, the true meaning of life and how, how we're supposed to, integrate with life and in addition to that in the east with the Taoism, which is even before well to some degree even before that um you know the buddhism and the Taoism, and the, you know that that you know predates all of this stuff so they've kind of figured all of this out already and if we're smart enough to take advantage of this we can look and and reflect on the hard work that they had and another thing about this older philosophy, it was created in an environment of nature where, where life was more natural. You know, 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, B Buddha walked the earth 2,600 years ago. But it was a much simpler world. You know, it may have had the same pressures and, and, and stuff, but it was a simpler life and it gave men the opportunity to reflect in a more natural way. So it's important when you listen to that, um, you'll feel that it kind of hits you at a deep level when you listen, you know, to, to Marcus Aurelius writings and to these, these clips that I'm going to play. And the reason that it does is because it, 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 it is who we are, you know, and it's truth. We're being fed so much bullshit today that, um, it's just confusing. People don't understand what really has value in life and what's gonna, what's gonna be the right thing to pursue as opposed to just sitting on their cell phones playing uh, with the Instagram account or, which is, I'm starting to use Instagram more now to promote the podcast and I'm putting out memes now. I think, I think I have two memes on my Instagram, which is Alpha Male Buddhist uh, Instagram. And my website is alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com. That's alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com. And I have links to everything. My Etsy store, I have uh, hoodies, I have t-shirts that are motivational. Uh, I have my Instagram connected there. And I have a subreddit, which nobody's posted anything to, but that's cool. My email, everything is there. So back, back to what I was getting at. What I'm seeing a lot today is people just, especially young people that really should be looking, in, looking to move their career forward. What they're doing is they're trying to avoid... Um, resistance, they're trying to avoid pain, they're trying to avoid adversity in the sense of if something goes wrong, if it rains on their birthday, their, their, their feelings get hurt, you know what I mean? But the true way to understand that is just in that one quote where, you know, the obstacle is the way, that's really the attitude that you need to take when you're in a position of adversity or pain or suffering or something is going on in your life, understand it for what it is and, and, and let it Learn from it and let it let it push you forward in the future. When you encounter some adversity, you're able to deal with it, because you can't pad yourself away from it or pretend it's not there. Right? That's the problem with a lot of a lot of people right now today too. You, like I'm talking about Antifa and these people. When you listen to their words and what they say, you could hear that they're just running a program that's been 
downloaded into their into their thinking into the into the essence and it's like they don't they're not even thinking for themselves they're just like robots and automatons following a script which is the worst thing that you want to do because at that point you're not living your life anymore you're just you know you're just some code that's running you know in the matrix so you know what i've i've spoken enough um i think these three clips really break down to to a really great degree what stoicism is and living a stoic life so yeah, we're going to get into these clips. I'm going to play my, uh, you know, outro at the end. And I want to thank you for listening and namaste. We are born into this world hungry, vulnerable, and confused. As we go through life, we attempt to eliminate these feelings by trying to control the conditions of the world around us. We seek to accomplish and obtain things, achieve higher status, acquire wealth or fame, develop power, and so on. We live with a persisting hopefulness that in the future we will have and control enough stuff to free ourselves of our emptiness, vulnerability, and confusion, and find some ultimate happiness and security outside of ourselves. This hopeful vision of the future might sound reasonable, but perhaps it is what keeps us contained in our problems. To help us better understand and deal with our seemingly unquenchable hunger for ultimate control and happiness outside of ourselves, we will look to the ancient philosophy of Stoicism. Stoicism is a philosophy that started in ancient Greece and was then further popularized in ancient Rome. Stoicism is an especially unique philosophy in how potently it has withstood the test of time across thousands of years. Arguably, the teachings and wisdom of Stoic philosophy are equally if not more relevant today than ever. In recent history, Stoicism has found huge appeal. It was used and encouraged by recent historical leaders like George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and Nelson Mandela. Written about by current popular authors like Tim Ferriss, Robert Greene, and Ryan Holiday, just to name a few, and has found a rather large community on the internet. Stoicism's enduring popularity is not without good reason. The principles of Stoicism can help us find calmness, presence, and resilience in a world of increasingly overt chaos, anxiety, and insatiable desire for more. In Stoicism, we exist in a reality that does not care about our personal opinion of it. We cannot ask it nicely to remove the chaos, suffering, hardship, and uncertainty, nor can we will ourselves onto it with force in order to do so. However, Stoicism suggests that that does not mean we are subject to be helpless victims of the world. Rather, Stoicism proclaims that there are two domains of life, our external being the things outside of our mind which we cannot control, and the internal, our interpretations and reactions to the external, which we can control. When we persist with the belief that things outside ourself or things in the future will provide us with a form of ultimate happiness, we become dependent on things that are not part of us nor part of what we can control, and thus remain endlessly unsatisfied and unhappy. We can and should pursue the things that we deem preferable and interesting, and not live an inactive life. However, we must ensure that on our pursuits, our focus remains on the internal, and that we work to derive our sense of joy from how we think and act within our pursuits. No matter what task we undertake, we will do it wastefully if we assume that any of what comes beyond the task will provide anything better than the experience of focus and presence in the task itself. There's nothing inherently wrong about working towards and achieving wealth, fame, or power, but in the Stoic's mind, these things are merely to be enjoyed if they do work out, but not to be depended on for one's happiness. For if one is dependent on them, their happiness and peace in life are especially susceptible to being inconsistent, taken, or never achieved at all. Stoicism suggests that the sign of a truly successful person is someone who can be okay without the things he or she typically desires or depends on for comfort. For no wealth, materialistic abundance, fame, or power has any value to a happy life if the person who possesses them has not yet learned to live properly without them. Roman Emperor and Stoic philosopher Marcus Aurelius was the most powerful person in the world during his time. He had access to anything he could have ever wanted, yet he writes, Almost nothing material is needed for a happy life for he who has understood existence. With access to the world, Marcus Aurelius lived with little interest in the self-indulgence of things outside of himself. In order to develop this fortitude, a common practice in Stoicism is to, on occasion, temporarily strip oneself of the things they ordinarily depend on for comfort in order to prove to themselves how strong they truly are without the things they think they need. In the piece of classic literature entitled Letters from a Stoic, Roman statesman and one of the most renowned Stoic philosophers, Seneca, writes, Until we have begun to go without them, we fail to realize how unnecessary many things are. We've been using them not because we needed them, but because we had them. It is in our constant expectation that something outside ourselves or in the future is needed for a worthy experience of life that causes our inability to ever find worthy experience in life in the first place. 
In Letters from a Stoic, Seneca discusses the idea of how to properly handle one's time and derive meaningful experience. When referring to time, Seneca writes, I advise you to keep what is really yours, and you cannot begin too early. For as our ancestors believed, it is too late to spare when you reach the dregs of the cask. Of that which remains at the bottom, the amount is slight and the quality is vile. It is now that we must find time, and it is now that we must find happiness if it is either that we are seeking. For if we do not focus the lens through which we view life right now, everything we see from this moment forward will remain out of focus. For the Stoic, the ability to find happiness in spite of what occurs around us is developed through character and perspective. We must realize that nothing is good or bad inherently, but only our judgments and interpretations of things can be good or bad. The wise man, Seneca writes, is neither raised up by prosperity nor cast down by adversity. For always he has striven to rely predominantly on himself and to derive all joy from himself. In other words, we must try to form our perspective to best serve our ability to remain with happiness and wonder, regardless of the ups and downs of life. Stoicism suggests that we are but a tiny feature of the entire body of nature, and everything that happens to us is a matter of relevance and necessity to everything beyond us. In this, we must strive towards an acceptance and indifference towards everything that happens to us, and instead focus our attention on controlling our reactions to the things that happen. We must put our best foot forward, acting and living with self-honesty, humility, and good virtue, and welcome whatever the world deals us in return, good or bad. With this, we can begin to free ourselves from the chaos of the world and find some form of happiness and presence within ourselves. The practice of Stoicism is not easy by any stretch, and arguably, to live a completely Stoic life is impossible. Likely, no person can be without moments of desire or negative reaction to the world around them, However, Stoicism gifts us with a target of wisdom to aim for, a happiness and calmness to strive for when things are at their apparent worst. In a time where chaos and anxiety run rampant across our screens, where cultural pressures to live certain ways and achieve certain things overwhelm us 24-7, where we spend a huge amount of time comparing ourselves to and wanting the approval of others, our sense of happiness and peace is becoming increasingly susceptible, and it is perhaps through Stoicism that we can attempt to hold on to it. Starting from birth, we seemingly run if not sprint through life, racing out of every moment, unsatisfied with what life is and constantly looking to the future for what life could be if we just obtain something more or different. Our cultures overwhelm us with the reinforcement of this idea, convincing us that in order to be happy, we have to achieve, buy, own, and live perfect, unaffected lives. This delusion, however, frenzies us with an anxiety that we are then told by culture we can rid ourselves of if we just achieve a few more things, make a little more money, be a little more popular, and buy a little more stuff, creating an endless feedback loop of unsatisfied hunger. If we cave into this, we surrender our life. We give up ourselves. We should not, like sheep, follow the herd of creatures in front of us, making our way where others go, not where we ought to go," Seneca writes. In the Stoic view, the stuff we often find ourselves chasing in life revealed to be rather petty and meaningless from a sufficient distance. We don't have much, if any, control on what happens to us, how people see and treat us, nor what happens because of what we do. And in the big picture, none of it really matters all that much. And so we must define our happiness, not by what we own or achieve, not by how others see us, not by some bigger picture of life, but by how we think and see ourselves and live our own life through what we deem virtuous and relevant. Stoicism tells us we can at last, if we wish, calmly accept the conditions of our indifferent reality and one-up it with our own indifferent attitude in return. The Concise Meditations of Marcus Aurelius This is a summary of Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. If you want to understand meditations but don't want to read it or just want a refresher, then this is for you. Meditations is essentially a scrapbook of thoughts written over a 19-year period. It's not ordered and it repeats itself frequently as ideas reoccurred to the author at different times. You shouldn't read meditations like a science textbook explaining how the world works. Instead, read it as a series of mental techniques and crutches to use to live a more tranquil and fulfilling life. It was the notebook of a man with the weight of the Roman world on his shoulders, a man struggling to be good and leaving himself notes and reminders on how to be so. I have interpreted and reordered what he says, but I've done my best not to embellish it. Since I've summarised 50,000 words down to 4,000, I expect some of the subtlety and most of the poetry has been lost. If you ever wish to listen to the original, there's a link to my full narration of the book in the description box below.
1. When you encounter unkindness. When receiving bad treatment or criticism from someone, either the other person is right, in which case you've no right to complain, or they're wrong, in which case they're misguided and have just made a mistake. Remind yourself how many mistakes you've made in life and feel pity for them. By all means, point out to them where they've gone wrong, but do so affectionately, not meanly, with hatred in your heart or to impress onlookers. Speak directly to them. If this doesn't work, ask yourself what qualities nature has given us to counter the defect. For example, as an antidote to unkindness, it gave us kindness. Put that to use and see what happens. Very few people can continually act unkindly to you if you show continued kindness to them. No matter what anyone says or does, my task is to be good. If you've mistakenly trusted an untrustworthy person, then turn the reproach on yourself. The fault is yours. Recognize that untrustworthy, bad, and even evil people exist in the world. To expect not to encounter them is foolish. Say to yourself, I have encountered one of them. This is to be expected from time to time. Then remember that any evil that men do you only harms your soul if you do evil in return. It is your job to be good and not allow their evil to change that. The noblest kind of retribution is not to become like your enemy. With that in mind, recognize that everything depends on how you interpret it. Everything is interpretation is a quote Marcus Aurelius cites from a cynic philosopher. He notes that obviously this is not literally true, but that it is a useful mental crutch. If you take it for what it's worth, you can apply it to everyday life with amazing results. With that in mind, remind yourself that how things affect you is determined by your mind's interpretation of them, not the external things themselves. Whatever happens, you can choose how to interpret it. So choose not to feel harmed, and you haven't been. If it rains, you can choose to feel angry at the weather and pained by the sensation of the water on your clothes and body, or you can choose to feel grateful at being alive and being able to feel such sensations. How easy it is to repel and wipe away every impression which is troublesome or unsuitable and immediately be in all tranquility. So work on gaining control of your mind to frame things positively. Ultimately, you are what you continually think, so take care which thoughts you allow to exist in your own head. Your mind will take the shape of what you frequently hold in thought, for the human spirit is coloured by such impressions. On that point, your mind should sit superior to your body and its sensations. You have a body and a mind. Your mind, your rational faculty, is the advantage you have over other animals. To follow nature means to recognize this and to make use of what nature has given you. Deep down, you already know the things you should be doing and yet are not doing them. That's because you do not have control over your mind. Whenever you determine to do something and don't do it, it's because your body has given you some reason not to. Do not allow pain, drowsiness, fever, loss of appetite to alter your behaviour. When you're bothered by things like that, remind yourself, I'm giving in to pain. When you give in to these sensations, you make your mind the slave of the body, which leads to unhappiness. Endless suffering, all from not allowing the mind to do its job. Gain control of your mind. It's only by gaining control that you can begin to act virtuously, and it's only by acting virtuously that true happiness, eudaimonia, will be reached. Once you start to follow reason, the difference will be night and day. Within ten days, you will appear a god, even to those to whom today you seem a beast or a baboon, if you return to your principles and the worship of reason. With that in mind, stay mindful and take deliberate actions. Frequently, we go through life on autopilot. Most of the things we do, we don't even think about. Enough of this.
No random actions, none not based on underlying principles. Do not wander without a purpose. Act deliberately. Observe your own mind critically as if observing someone else's. In every case, ask yourself to what you are currently employing your mind. What sort of soul are you displaying? Are you acting like a child, a tyrant, an animal? What's causing you to act that way? If you can control your actions and think and act systematically, you will have an untroubled life. If you do not observe the movements of your own mind, then you will be unhappy. Further, you can find peace from external events at any time by going within your own mind. But do so briefly. Don't retreat from the world. Humanity is born for cooperation, and we are constituted for one another. Do not allow yourself to become angry with those around you, fall into hatred, or give up trying to make a positive difference in society. If you conceive of all rational beings as constituted for one cooperation, then helping other people becomes a joy and not just the right thing to do. Learn to feel affection for other people, even when they make mistakes. You can do so by recognizing they're human too, and we all make mistakes, and that before long they will die, just like you, and that we're all in this together. What's more, regardless of what they've done, they haven't really hurt you. Another mental crutch he offers is to contemplate the positive qualities of those around you. We all have different abilities and talents. And keeping theirs in mind will make you think better of them. When you need encouragement, think of the qualities the people around you have: the energy of one, the modesty of another, the generosity of a third. Keep the thought of them ready to hand. Six, your opinion of yourself matters more than the opinion of a stranger. It never ceases to amaze me. We all love ourselves more than other people, but care more about their opinion than our own. This is not an exhortation to arrogance; it's reminding you to do what you know is best, regardless of people's reactions. You know what you're about, and you know the reason why you're doing what you're doing. You don't need to explain yourself to everyone. Even worse is when we fawn over and seek the praise of people we don't even respect. Think about that: seeking the praise of those who are worthy of contempt. As a crutch to avoid being too concerned with praise, Marcus Aurelius suggests contemplating what difference it really makes and considering the insignificance of it in the grand scheme of things. Fame in a world like this is worthless. His conclusion from all this is that we should be honest and straightforward. We shouldn't prance about, keep airs, or try to portray ourselves as something we're not. We should abstain from rhetoric and trying to pander or curry favour. However, with that said, be open to correction. Being corrected is better than remaining in self-deceit. You shouldn't view changing your mind as losing, or that you're being coerced. It is still a free and noble action on your part to change your mind if the evidence turns against you. Just don't change it because of peer pressure or to ingratiate yourself with others. Remember that to change your mind and to accept correction are free acts too. The action is yours, based on your own will, your own decision, and your own mind. With that in mind, cherish the freedom and liberty of everyone. Learn to endure the freedom of speech of others. You cannot control them, so learn to control your reaction instead. Learn to hear unwelcome truths. Listen attentively to people and seek to place yourself in their shoes. Habituate yourself not to be inattentive to what another has to say, and so far as possible, to be in the mind of the speaker. Uphold the rights of everyone as equal under the law. It was from my brother that I conceived of a society of equal laws, governed by equality of status and of speech, and of rulers who respect the liberty of their subjects above all else. Recognize that power corrupts. 
recognize the malice, cunning, and hypocrisy that power produces, and the peculiar ruthlessness often shown by people from good families. If you ever find yourself in a position of power, remember this and check yourself. Resist becoming despotic. Take care not to be transformed into a Caesar, not to be dyed with this dye, for such things happen. Fight to be the person philosophy tried to make you. With that in mind, have some self-respect. With every act, ask if you are respecting yourself with it, and if you will regret it inside. Watch for and erase any impulse to express things you don't truly believe. Do not view anything as beneficial which causes you to break a promise, lose your self-respect, or hate anyone. When roused to anger, remember that there's nothing manly about giving in to emotion. It's courtesy and kindness that define a human being and a man. He who possesses these qualities possesses strength, nerves and courage, not the man who is subject to fits of passion and discontent. Make yourself neither the tyrant nor slave of any man. And whatever happens, avoid complaining. Do your job without whining. If you can do the job in front of you, then do it and don't complain. And if you can't, then seek someone to help you and don't feel ashamed. But still, don't complain, not even inwardly to yourself. Frequently in life, the obstacle is the way. If something bad happens, just say, Good, what new opportunities does this open up? In the same vein as recognising how your interpretation of an event can affect whether it hurts you, you can go one step further and ask how your interpretation of it can even benefit you. The mind adapts and converts to its own purposes the obstacle to our acting. The impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. Of course, this is still very much a mental crutch because had you wanted your car to break down, say, you would have broken it yourself. But now that it has, ask yourself what good you can make come from it. The obstacle becomes the way is a recognition that every event creates new possibilities, and saying to yourself, good, when something bad happens, and looking for the new opportunity, is a far healthier way of living than complaining about it. There's a great clip from Jocko Willink linked in the video description below that nicely summarises this. Marcus Aurelius used such mental crutches a lot. The meditations can be viewed as a series of practical psychological tricks to make life smoother. Such mental habits allow you to smile and remain happy even when things that would otherwise upset you have occurred. With that in mind, recognise that adversity is part of nature. The universe is indifferent to your existence. It will throw things at you that will rock your world. Accept this for what it is. Difficulties, setbacks and even tragedies are part of life. They are even part of what it means to be alive. Everyone will experience them. Marcus Aurelius reiterates that since these events are in God or fate's hands, you should not hope and pray for them not to occur, but rather hope and pray that you have the strength of character to endure them when they do. Why not rather pray for the gift to fear none of these things, to desire none of them, to sorrow for none of them, rather than that any one of them should be present or absent? This puts your focus on something in your control, namely forging the strength of character to endure all onslaughts, rather than that which is in fate's control, the unfortunate events. And when they do occur, be like the headland against which the waves continually break. It stands firm and tames the fury of the water around it. But he takes it a step further again and points out that it's through adversity that we get stronger. It's unfortunate that this has happened. No, it's fortunate that this has happened and I've remained unharmed by it. There's an ironic beauty in life that it's these very hardships that give us the opportunity to test ourselves and grow stronger. 
In every event which leads you to sorrow, remember to use this principle, that this is not a misfortune, but that to bear it like a brave man is good fortune. In any case, he points out that for the most part, everything has happened before. The universe is in constant flux, but there's nothing new under the sun. Whatever challenges you're facing, others have met them before. Obviously, society and technology has moved on, but the human condition remains the same. Your partner cheats on you, your friend betrays you, you get passed over for promotion. All these things have been experienced by all of humanity for all of time. Instead of wailing against them, feeling outrage and shock, and repeating the behaviours of those before you, let petty events wash off you and turn your attention to what really matters. Keep a sense of proportion, and it will help you deal with such things. In all that happens, keep before your eyes those who experienced it before you, and felt shock and outrage and resentment at it. And now where are they? Nowhere. Is that what you want to be like? Instead of avoiding all these distracting assaults, leaving the alarms and flight to others, and concentrating on what you can do with it all? Because you can use it. Treat it as raw material. Just pay attention and resolve to live up to your own expectations in everything. And when faced with a choice, remember, our business is with things that really matter. Our business is with things that really matter. With that in mind, stay practical and deal with what's in front of you. Stop being aimless and stop allowing yourself to be distracted. Maintain an unwavering commitment and focus once a decision has been made. If you seek tranquility, do fewer things better. Do everything as if it were the last thing you were doing in your life and stop being aimless. Stop letting your emotions override what your mind tells you. Rid yourself of unnecessary thoughts and stop letting your emotions project into the future, fabricating worries for yourself. Master them and focus them on the present, on doing the thing that is in front of you as if it were your last. Wipe away the impress of imagination. Stop being jerked like a puppet. Limit yourself to the present. Through hard practice, you can learn even the things which you despair at learning now. For any task at hand, ask yourself, why can't I endure it? You'll be embarrassed to answer. Don't focus on any physical characteristic which you cannot change, and do not allow yourself to want or pursue what is impossible. Focus instead on the virtues that are in your power to bring forth. Honesty, dignity, endurance, austerity, Resignation, abstinence, patience, sincerity, moderation, seriousness, magnanimity. With that in mind, focus on doing what is right and be prepared to face resistance. If it is not right, do not do it. If it is not true, do not say it. Say nothing untrue, do nothing unjust, and do not be concerned with whether people recognise you for doing so. If you choose to do a kind act, don't do it in expectation of a future reward. The acts themselves are their own rewards and what lead to a good life. True delight and stillness is to move from one unselfish action to the next. Since your job is to act with virtue, act well regardless of how people respond to it and do not allow the bad actions of another to throw you off course. Do not expect a perfect outcome. Be happy with the smallest progress and in attempting the good act itself. In a sense, if your aim is to always attempt to act well, then even if something immovable falls in your way, you have still succeeded in that aim by attempting. Ambition means tying your well-being to what other people say or do. Sanity means tying it to your own actions. If you're in a position of authority, you may even be hated for your good actions. The important thing is that you are not dissuaded from the right course in search of applause. A king's part, to do good and to be reviled. 
Teach yourself to desire only to act virtuously, and do not let others hold you back. With that in mind, do your duty and despise cowardice. Stand up straight in life, don't be propped up by others, and do your duty without fear. It's like this, gentlemen of the jury. The spot where a person decides to station himself, or wherever his commanding officer stations him, well, I think that's where he ought to take his stand and face the enemy, and not worry about being killed or about anything but doing his duty. Focus more on whether what you're doing is right or wrong than on the risk it brings you. You are much mistaken, my friend, if you think that any man worth his salt cares about the risk of death and doesn't concentrate on this alone, whether what he's doing is right or wrong, and his behaviour a good man's or a bad one's. Understand that life is short and death comes to us all. That means the time for action is now. Decide once and for all to pursue justice, honesty, courage, self-control and rational action above all else. Remind yourself how often you have put things off and procrastinated, how many chances you've been given and yet wasted. Remember, your time here is limited. You have one chance and it's running out. Stop seeking approval from others, stop putting things off. Decide today to start taking action. Not to live as if you had endless years ahead of you. Death overshadows you. While you're alive and able, be good. Once you make such a choice, you will cease your internal suffering. You suffer justly because you choose to be good tomorrow rather than today. A mental crutch Aurelius suggested was thinking of the life behind you as already dead, and that from today you're living a new, shorter life. Take this new life and live it properly. Think of yourself as dead. You have lived your life. Now take what's left and live it properly. Also, it is disgraceful for your soul to give up while your body is still going strong. As you age, the chances that you're going to be the next protégé decrease. When young, you may have imagined yourself as a future savant, that you were going to turn pro, win the Olympics or change the world with your discoveries. Don't let the fact that all that never really panned out dishearten you. You can still focus on building your character and on doing good in the world. Just because you've abandoned your hopes of becoming a great thinker or scientist, don't give up on attaining freedom, achieving humility, serving others, obeying God. And just as you accept the limits placed on your height, accept the limits placed on your life. Death will eventually come for everyone, and fearing the future does nothing but stop us acting bravely today. With all that in mind, practice getting back on track. Life is an obstacle course, and no matter how wise you are, there will be things that will throw you off balance. When this happens, make a point of centering yourself at once, before proceeding. The more you practice this, the better you will get. When jarred unavoidably by circumstances, revert at once to yourself, and don't lose the rhythm more than you can help. You'll have a better grasp of the harmony if you keep going back to it. In other words, whatever negative compulsions you've overcome, there will come a time when you fall off the wagon and revert to your old ways. Recognise when this happens and practice pulling yourself back. Don't listen to the voice that tells you to give up because today is a write-off. Not to feel exasperated or defeated or despondent because your days aren't packed with wise and moral actions, but to get back up when you fail to celebrate behaving like a human, however imperfectly, and to fully embrace the pursuit that you've embarked on. Avoid getting distracted with pride and showing off. Not only does it detract from what you're doing, but the applause you receive is worthless anyway. Pride and outward show is an arch-seducer of reason. When you think you're occupied in the weightiest business, that's when it has you in its spell. 
As such, in all cases, look beneath to see things for what they truly are. A method of lessening the hold things have over you is to look at them for what they really are. Expensive wine is just fancy grape juice. Purple robes, that is, the robes worn by the emperor, are just wool dyed with shellfish blood. This applies not only to material things, but to actions and behaviours. Examine men's ruling principles, even those of the wise. What kind of things do they avoid or pursue? Imagine someone's soul stripped bare. What evokes their love and admiration, their vanity, etc.? Now try to imagine whether their disdain can really harm anyone, or their praise help anyone. Do you wish to be praised by a man who curses himself three times every hour? Do you wish to please a man who doesn't please himself? When facing their insults, hatred or whatever, look at what sort of person they are. You will see that you don't need to strain to impress them. But you should still treat them well, as they are still human. In all cases, speak the truth as you see it, but with kindness and humility. With all that in mind, recognize material wealth is neither a good nor an evil. Wealth in and of itself is not a good or bad thing. It's how you use it. The term goods is a misnomer when used to refer to possessions. It's possible that possessing too many things can make life worse, so they are not in every case goods. Your only true goods are your virtues. Respect your own mind and prize that. Be satisfied in yourself. If you can't stop prizing other things, then you'll never be free. You'll always be envious, jealous, or afraid that someone might come and take things away from you. That said, while those who crave wealth are misguided, so are those who despise it or feel guilt at possessing it, as it has just a stronger hold over them. Better is to learn to not let it have any hold over you. Learn to make use of it when you have it, but be absolutely prepared to let it go. Use it unapologetically, but also without any arrogance. Treat what you don't have as non-existent. Look at what you have, the things you value most, and think of how much you'd crave them if you didn't have them. But be careful. Don't feel such satisfaction that you start to overvalue them that it would upset you to lose them. With that in mind, express gratitude. Marcus Aurelius spends the entire first chapter of Meditations listing the things he's grateful for learning whilst young. Some of the things which stand out to me and which I haven't already mentioned elsewhere are that I needed to work on my own character. The government of my temper, developing a strong character, generosity, charity, and a sense of humour. The value of investing in education, enduring labour, working with my own hands, and learning to want little. Not to meddle in the affairs of others, and not to have time for slanderers. Not to busy myself with trifling things, or waste time on frivolous matters. To write simply and directly to endure freedom of speech and make peace with people I've fallen out with when they're ready. Steadiness of purpose, self-control in not being distracted and not letting emotion cloud judgment. How to receive gifts graciously without losing self-respect or appearing ungrateful, and how to offer praise without making a display. Indifference to superficial honours. Not to use the excuse, I'm too busy, to get out of doing things. To listen to friends' troubles, show teachers respect, and children unfeigned love. To treat people as they deserve, and possess a readiness to listen to those who have anything to propose for the common good. To refrain from nitpicking and constantly correcting people. To defer to experts when necessary. To display dignity without pretension. And finally, to stop talking about what the good man is like and just be one. When you first rise in the morning, tell yourself, 
I will encounter busybodies, ingrates, egomaniacs, liars, the jealous and cranks. They are all stricken with these afflictions because they don't know the difference between good and evil. Marcus Aurelius One of the most advocated routines by the Stoics is to take time to look inward, examine and reflect. The best times to do that? In the morning, after rising and in the evening, before you go to bed. Epictetus advises to rehearse the day in the morning and then review your progress in the evening. At daybreak, we should ask ourselves a few questions. What do I still lack in order to achieve freedom from negative emotions? What do I need to achieve tranquility? What am I? A rational being. The idea is to get better each and every day. Get a step closer towards our goals. Also, we should remind ourselves of our rational nature so we don't over-identify with body, property or reputation. We better aspire to greater reason and virtue and meditate on our actions. Marcus Aurelius proposes to remind yourself in the morning of what a precious privilege it is to be alive, to breathe, to think, to enjoy, to love. And as seen in the opening quote, he wants us to prepare to meet challenging people later in the day. That's classic negative visualisation. Today and every day, you can almost be certain to meet someone who seems like a jerk. The question is, will you be ready for it? If you prepare yourself in the morning, you improve the chances that you'll be ready to face challenging interactions with patience, forgiveness, understanding and kindness. To be clear, you do not prepare to be against the world, you prepare to act reasonably within a chaotic world where not everybody is as well prepared as you are. Marcus further reminds himself that those people who oppose him are akin to him, not of the same blood or birth as me, but the same mind. And these relatives can neither harm him nor can he be angry with them, because we are made for cooperation. Seneca reminds himself of the impermanence of things each morning. The wise will start each day with the thought, fortune gives us nothing which we can really own, nothing whether public or private is stable. He continues and says, whatever has been reared over the work of years can be destroyed within a few seconds. How many towns in Syria and Macedonia have been swallowed up by a single shock of earthquake? How often has this kind of devastation laid Cyprus in ruins? We live in the middle of things which have all been destined to die. Mortal have you been born, to mortals you have been given birth. Reckon on everything, expect everything. In other words, memento mori, remember you are mortal. This mental preparation in the morning will help you focus on the important things and you will be ready to meet difficulties with calmness, resilience and patience. Expect everything and be ready for anything, only so you can be your best at all times. Morning preparation is crucial if you want to keep your calm and express your highest self even in the midst of a storm. Modify the Stoics morning routines to your liking. Maybe you want to form a plan for the day, or maybe you want to give yourself a pep talk. Maybe you want to exercise, meditate or journal, and maybe you want to sing under the shower. Feel free, just make sure to keep a regular morning routine. Always remember, mortal have you been born to mortals you have given birth. Reckon on everything, expect everything. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. I like to cover topics from ancient history, great leaders and generals from the past, and I also like to talk about self-realization, truth, critical thinking, and strategic spirituality. Outside the box, nonconformist. I'm here to shatter the myths of the mainstream media and the beta sheeple narrative. My email address is alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com. My website is alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com. 
My Instagram is Alpha Male Buddhist. And check out my YouTube channel, Alpha Male Buddhist, and that's on YouTube. It is the podcast accompanied with video clips that integrate exactly with the podcast, so it's motivational and inspirational. I also have promotional t-shirts. If you go to my website, alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com, you can see the promotional t-shirts there. Reach out to me. Also, if you have any show notes or any suggestions that you would like to hear on the podcast, just reach out and see if I can get that done. I've been getting some really great emails and feedback from my listeners, which is great. So I want to thank you for listening and namaste.